0: This is the Positive Psychology Podcast, episode 107.
1: Welcome to the Positive Psychology Podcast, bringing your earbuds the science of the good life. And now your host, Kristen Trumpy.
0: Today we're welcoming Carlos Saba. Um, from the Happy Startup School. He's a founder. Um, Welcome, Carlos.
1: Hi, I'm glad to be here.
0: Hi. So, um, could you introduce yourself a little bit? Um, Tell us who you are, how you came to work um, for something called the Happy Startup School, and also what your interest is in in that.
1: So, um, we've been running this... Happy Startup School for over six years now. Before that, myself and my business partner, Lawrence, were running a digital agency where we would work with entrepreneurs and startups to build their products. Um, Lawrence and I have known each other since we were at primary school, so we've known each other for a long time. We started our agency way back in 2006, and we just started working with each other as freelancers because the agencies uh, that we were working for just didn't satisfy us in terms of the the culture and the atmosphere. We felt like the work that we were doing was not really delivering the right value. We always were caught up in middle middle management politics. uh, And we thought we could do a lot better job if we worked together. Lawrence was a web designer. I was a programmer and developer. And we had essentially the skills to do whatever, what other agencies were doing as well. So we chose to start our own business and it was less about making money but more about working with people we liked, working for people we liked, and doing work that we enjoyed. And so essentially our our career choices and our business choice was about optimizing for happiness. Then working with entrepreneurs and startups Uh, More and more, we found that actually these guys, particularly the early stage or first-time entrepreneurs, didn't really get what it took to launch a business online. Um, It wasn't a build-it-and-they-will-come kind of approach. The tools and technology allowed for a much more fluid, uh, emergent approach where you actually responded to customer feedback and user feedback and then did a bit more of a a evolutionary development of your business model as well as your product but of course if you can't guarantee a result customers get a bit scared so we decided there needed to be a school for startups so that entrepreneurs could understand how this process worked using um, approaches like the lean startup and customer development and agile development but Fundamental to the reason why we, myself and Lawrence, started our business and what we believed business should be about was actually it shouldn't just be about the money. It should be about the why. And ultimately, what we're all seeking for is happiness. And that's what we believe. So we thought this startup school should also include that. So the Happy Startup School was born. And it started off really as a declaration in terms, and it was manifested as our happy festo it was a declaration of what we believe work should be about.
0: Right. So before we get into what work should be about, can you define what happiness is? Because and I'm asking this for a very specific reason, I thought naively, um, everybody kind of thinks about the same thing. And of course, that's not true at all. So uh, how do you define happiness?
1: So my definition of happiness has evolved over time. But I think now the definition that I'm content with for now is two words. Um, It is contentment, oh, I should say acceptance and alignment. And when I think about acceptance, I'm thinking, I mean, accepting what is and working with that and not resisting challenges uh, or even great things it's it is what it is an alignment in terms of what we think what we believe what we say and what we do are all going in the same direction so there's no conflict or internal conflict
0: okay yeah so that's um with uh, i think gandhi's definition of happiness is pretty much what you're talking about so let's return to the happy festo um can you give us some examples of what's in there
1: So for us, ultimately about uh, work was really making it fun. Um, uh, Treating each other like friends, um, being creative, um, always learning. So really about being in a space where you're always growing, um, you're always giving something back, but at the same time at the core of it is really having that sense of fun play enjoyment energy being in flow
0: all right so i'm curious um building a business i mean all those all those challenges um, are yeah pretty pretty difficult in and of themselves so i'm just wondering if people have to focus or do focus on all these cool things, which obviously I'm all for. And I mean, I think a lot of us who are hearing this are kind of jealous and want to work with you guys, but, but I'm still wondering like how, how did that pan out? You know, in reality, when you actually try to do that, was it like, did people kind of embrace it or did they maybe have to change a bit because they're, they were used to other, other ideas of culture especially the people who you hired afterwards
1: um i'm not sure how best to answer that um so for me it's all about what is at the core of your business idea and so if you choose the core of what you do to be about effort um striving difficulty um always trying to work hard sacrificing um your happiness or deferring your happiness uh, for a future time then on top of that there's going to be even more hardship difficulty challenges because that's the nature of business and and to a certain level life things happen challenges happen but if you're um if you put happiness at the core and happiness being, what is it you really want to make happen in the world? What is it that you value most? What are the things that, what are the criteria you're going to use to say what's in and what's out, particularly when there's difficult decisions that might involve money or against some other thing that you have to weigh it up against what's going to help you make those big decisions. And so Back to the whole definition of alignment, if you're able to put your values at the core of the way, the reason why you do work rather than the money and the need to strive for status and material wealth, then that then makes the other stuff less unbearable. Okay.
0: So how did people take to this, let's say the people that you're coaching? Um, how did that? I, I mean, I, I understand, obviously, it's not the same for everyone. But, but overall, how did people react when you actually held them accountable to these higher
1: ideals? For a lot of people that we talk to, it's like um, pulling back a curtain or lifting a fog it feels like, ah, right, there's a less effortful way to understand what this is all about. And also it it makes sense why I'm struggling trying to make this thing happen or this business idea that I thought I wanted to make happen or there's a reason why I keep going around in circles because I'm not clear about why I'm doing it in the first place. And it, it doesn't align with what I really believe and what I really Striving for, and so the way we tackle it is really about just asking gentle questions about what what is it that makes you angry, what is it, how is it you want to feel when everything is going well, and what kind of change do you want to make in the world, and how is it you want to grow? So questions that are quite personal and quite the core of. And people's identity and, and um, the source of their action. But then they're going to be at the center of their business. And so if they're not clear about themselves, there's going to be a good chance they'll find themselves in the wrong place several years down the line.
0: Okay, so do you mostly how people are starting out or people established or how, how does that play out?
1: So this is uh, our work is, has, again, evolved over time. When we started out, it was very much about promoting positive company cultures, thinking about meaning before the money. Essentially, how do you, how do you incentivize or create uh, a workforce that feels connected to your company um, by thinking about your own values and how they align with the values of your, of your staff? and then combining that with the idea of the lean startup how do you build businesses in an environment of uncertainty when you don't know what happens next and you're not clear about the offering and the and the product what that has now evolved into is still a foundation of understanding how we can create good businesses but what we've seen is that the core of this is understanding yourself and knowing how you how you tick What are your limiting beliefs? What kind of clarity do you have around your vision? And those kind of questions apply to everyone, whether you're a startup, running a business at the moment, um, or exited a business and you're looking at your next step. And so for us, it's, um, it's become a broader question or a broader offering, but we're grounded very much in the business world and people at a point of transition.
0: Okay, um, I I like the fact that it seems to be very whole. So it's not, although the name Happy Startup suggests that it's um, kind of really positive, positive, which I'm sure it is. But you don't seem to shy away from from the more difficult thing, and it seems to me like you may be also showing people. A, a different version of happiness that is frankly better than what a lot of the media portray because we found um in studies actually people who believe that that um you know you should be always happy for example are actually way more unhappy than people who are just like yeah the bad stuff is part of it so does that factor into what you do
1: definitely um Personally, I think, and this is where my definition of happiness included the word acceptance, things happen that can go wrong. And the worst thing you can do is to struggle against that, Um, whether they're negative feelings or something just doesn't work the way you want it to work. As a startup, a lot of the time, the assumptions that you have and the idea you have, the first idea you have isn't the best idea. And so... If you're crushed by that because that idea is not right or doesn't work and you identify with that, then that doesn't really create um, a space for you to then grow because you're just limiting yourself. But if you're able to take that on board, ride through the negative feelings, feel those, but then see that there are things that will pass. You know, the world hasn't ended. You can still start again and think and use that, what you've learned to then develop a new idea or to move forward after a setback, then that becomes part of happiness being a way of life rather than something like pleasure, which is just a feeling.
0: Okay, yeah, I like that distinction. So what have you learned about happy businesses, not necessarily from just building your own, but also from getting a glimpse into other people's businesses?
1: So within a business, I think um, happiness becomes, uh, how to put it, in terms of the businesses that I would define as being happy, one of the key things is uh, communication, clear communication, um, a high level of self-awareness from the founder, um, an ability to communicate very empathically and to show empathy. Um, a leader who has a strong vision as well, and and has is charismatic in their own way, not in the single definition that you have to be the life and soul of the party, but is able to win people over through their authenticity. And so, for me, the businesses that I've seen, the work best, have things like empathy, authenticity, transparency, and clarity, as as words that you describe them.
0: Okay, so I think a lot of these things when people hear it, it makes sense, people might be nodding along, some of them might say like, yeah, we know this. I'm curious how, how you make people and also how you do it yourself to actually walk the talk. Because when you're in the middle of a budget meeting, for example, it's a very different thing to remember all of these really great values and concepts. How do you do this?
1: I believe this is a lifelong journey. Some people um, get there sooner than others. uh, And it's a personal journey as well. So, And I think there's very simple ways to... To think about it really there's not a lot in terms of um, things to remember so firstly there's this acceptance that everyone around you sees the world will see the world in a different way and so you need to be able to communicate with that understanding that the way you talk that what you say is uh, going to be interpreted and land in a different way to someone else who might have a different set of beliefs and backgrounds or um, history. So that acceptance and, or, or acknowledgement that people will see the world differently to you. And then also, to uh, as, as well as that awareness of others, the awareness of yourself, and that when you have a reaction to something or you have this strong emotion, maybe someone says something about uh, your report or the way you're behaving or you're performing, to be able to just pause and check in with that and realize that's just a feeling that's coming up for you and to not react based on that feeling. You can hold it and then see in a way how can you behave in a way that you're not dictated by that reactive feeling.
0: Okay. Yep. I get it. Um Can we just stay with this kind of thing for a moment and talk about maybe other practices that are common to lots of companies? Um, For example, performance reviews. Do you do those? If yes, how?
1: Sorry, which practices were you mentioning?
0: You know, performance reviews. So, for example, me at the bank, um, at least, well, once a year is the big one, right? But then there's um, a half or three. They just give you a bunch of, you know, uh, lots of goals that you're supposed to do, and then they're just like, "Yep, yeah, well, well, no, go on, do this, do that. How are you? Oh, okay, bye, bye." And um, I'm just wondering, do you have, you know, these typical businessy things um, that you know, like meetings and performance reviews and recruitment, uh, all of those kind of things? I'm curious if you if you do those differently, or if you do them the same, but just with a very different attitude?
1: Um, Okay, so there's performance reviews, there's meetings, and there's recruitment. And so I can share with you how we've done those things over the past few years. So if we start off with performance reviews, um, we don't have performance reviews. Uh, what we do is we try and just have regular conversations with our staff uh, or the people who we work with, um, and they kind of take the form of like mini coaching sessions more than anything else. It's really understanding what is it they're um, struggling with, what is it they're enjoying, what things are they trying to do personally, what is it that they try to you know, want to achieve professionally. Um, where are things uh, not quite right? And so we have this conversation around where myself and Lawrence see things and how we see the, the uh, pi- what kind of picture we see, and then giving space for them to then say how they see it. And then through that, having a, a conversation around any differences of an opinion and what can be done better and then it's also being clear about what we're not happy with and why we're not happy, and giving, again, uh, a space for for our staff to then say what they think. And in terms of, like, progression and targets, it's really about – it's in a very personalized individual approach, Uh, and it's based – we work very intuitively around what is it – they need what is it we need as a business and this is a part of the transparency where do we need to go how do we need to grow what kind of uh, things need to be done Uh, and personally for them what is it how do they want to grow where is it they want to go and what do they want to do personally and then trying to find how those things align and then when it comes to meetings we're trying to just have meetings only when they're necessary. And so only the right, only the people who need to be there should turn up. So being clear about um, what is the purpose of the meeting, who called it, what is it they really want to achieve? And then, based on that, who should really be there, And as much as possible to have meetings in places that are more allow for a more expansive and relaxed thinking. So a lot of the time now, the weather is amazing here in bright in Brighton. These past few months, we have a lot of our meetings at the beach, and we we then sit there and we have things that need to be done. So usually, the person who who wants the meeting to happen will have a list of things that they want to discuss, and then the people who need to be there to answer those questions there and answer the questions. And if there's anything else that comes up, then they'll they'll raise that at the time. And then a lot of the time, we communicate as much as possible remotely via Slack. And so just keep each other up to date that way. And lastly, for recruitment, it's very much about um, we don't have a, a kind of recruitment strategy, it's very, if we meet someone that we really like, and aligns with value with our values and, and un- understands who we are as a as a business, and we have a need at the time for something to happen, or for uh, someone to work um, for a job to be done or a role to be placed, um, then we ask them to join us. Uh, and it's it's very organic that way. Uh, and that's, for now, how it's worked for us.
0: I picked up on a couple of things. First of all, super jealous. <laughs> and I'm not, I I don't <laughs> feel that a lot. You know, I honestly, I i don't that's not an emotion i feel a lot and it's not just the word beach although i know exactly what the beach is like because i've been to brighton a couple of times um i picked up on the word intuitive which i think is interesting can we unpack that a little bit because that's again not one of the words that a lot of people use in business
1: yes no i i and to be honest, for a while I struggled with that. I didn't really understand what it meant to be uh, to run a business intuitively. Another way of putting it is we follow our noses, and, or another way actually, would be we follow our curiosity. And so there's, we've, both Lawrence and I are, are not enthusiastic Intricate planners. So when it comes to um, business plans and five year strategies and kind of really defining um, job descriptions, that kind of thing, it doesn't fill us with a lot of energy. But what we've done instead is by over time, just I, it's one of those things I don't think you can necessarily learn as such but it's, you have to live it more. Um, You kind of start to trust your gut more and the intuition. And I, I, I again struggled with that. What does it mean to trust your gut and how can you trust it when you know that there are these things called cognitive biases that sometimes fool us? I think for me it's really going back to vision and values. Being very clear about what you will not do. So what are your thin red lines? And also, getting really clear is where you want to be, not necessarily having this very um, detailed picture of the business that you want to create, but at a deep level, how do you want to feel? What does success feel like, not necessarily look like? And then if you combine those two, and those are the, your the things that you sense check with and you feel with, then I think that's when your intuition can be much more powerful. And you can, and this is something I've only kind of thought about recently, is that's when you start tapping into the non-conscious side of your brain, the things that you don't necessarily, or the parts, the processing that goes on that you're not necessarily aware of or can direct.
0: Right. So we, actually there's an interesting psychological concept um a theory um which is called the somatic marker hypothesis. Have you heard of it
1: no i've I've recently come off the across the word of, of somatic and <laughs> okay. I'm still trying to understand that what that means in terms of the our neurology but please elaborate
0: right so the cool thing about that is basically that intuition seems like um I think that people who don't have it, you know, like people who didn't necessarily maybe grow up feeling intuitive themselves, they they really struggle with the concept. They they might think it's kind of flaky. Um, it, it's not rooted in science. It's just kind of, you know, it's something that maybe. Um, I don't want to disrespect anyone. I'm just voicing basically someone who I imagine, you know, like oh, that's like a, uh, astrologist or something like that, you know, and actually what they proposed um damasio specifically proposed was that the gut feelings that we have are basically our are emotions which have gathered data over the years, right? So over the years, we pick up things that we don't consciously analyze, such as facial expression, uh, posture, tone of voice, but also a whole bunch of other uh, information that we never really consciously process, but it's actually there. And these things form patterns and our emotions alert us in an ultra-fast way, Um, towards you know is the pattern more of approach or go away right Um, and and I think that is a really interesting take on intuition because it says you know what actually this is the sum of your experiences and that's why it might make sense to trust it although of course as you mentioned we have to be aware of things like cognitive bias
1: that pleases me that that kind of theory exists uh, I think one of the details that I didn't give you before is that I was trained as a scientist. I was a, I did a PhD in physics. And so I identified very much with scientific fact and having some kind of scientific grounding to how things work. But the more and more I've learned about science or I did learn about science, the more I realized we don't know. <laughs> There's a wealth of... Uh, knowledge still to be acquired and still uh, a lot of understanding still to be had another thing that or oh, that what sprang to mind when you were talking is also how our perception works are you the human eye relies on a perceiving a very narrow spectrum of, of wavelength of light but we have there are animals in existence that have much different ways of looking at the world and perceive things differently. So if, we, if there are animals that can perceive different wavelengths of light, then maybe there are things that we are able to perceive as humans, these patterns, these the collection of data that we don't necessarily understand uh, intellectually, but are, are there, and, and what we do when we are intuitive is we are able to, to sense those things in a, in a different way and purely consciously
0: yes and they also make a strong case for kind of paying a little bit of attention to what you consume because if you watch trash all day long your gut feeling is going to be around that so 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 that is that actually kind of also shows that that if we look at that that can also show us why some people's intuitions can be horribly horribly wrong which is if garbage in, garbage out. As a developer, you're familiar with that. So,
1: I, no, I and I, I, I really appreciate that way of looking at things. That, as <clears throat> the term, what you what you believe is what you perceive. But I would like to add on to that: is that our beliefs um, and our expectations are determined by the past and the future. So one of the things that I've um, embraced and and tried to practice is this, this idea of presence, is trying to be very present and in the now. And by by being really really present, what you with the way I understand it is that you let go of previous beliefs and limiting beliefs or um, preconceptions. And also you let go of expectations and where you want to get to, where you want to be. And it's really purely about sensing your current immediate environment and then being in that state where you're not trying to live in the past or the future or access data from those two points. You actually clear the system to then let our natural intuition guide us.
0: As a, as a human and as someone who studied positive psychology and all of that, that makes complete sense to me. As a banker, my brain just explodes. Like, as, as it's, it's <laughs> No, but it's, it sounds weird because, yeah, I, I'm housing different people apparently in one body. But, but, like, of course, I totally get everything you said as private Kristen. But I'm also thinking, like, if I were going to the office and it's like, that would not fly at all. So I'm just I'm just I'm still a bit curious like I do see that you inhabit a different sphere and I can also see that when you have a certain size it I think it's 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 maybe a bit easier to stick with that stuff but I do wonder um have you maybe had some clients who who actually were in bigger I don't know you do corporate retreats for example right or corporate like in, um sorry offsites right
1: Yes, oh, well, we do, we've it's been a while since we've done actually four corporate offsites, and most probably because of what you just said. But I think it's probably a um, a challenge of communication, what that of what that really means about presence and dropping the past and the future. If I'm going to be planning, because you can still plan but be present with planning, the problem isn't so much that you, you should never plan for the future or you should never learn from history. It's that when your thinking is in the past or your thinking is in the future, you're not being present with the planning. You're not using the data at hand. So I could be reading through uh, last year's figures. If I'm super present with the figures that I'm, that I'm looking at in front of me, then I see the pattern, things will emerge. But if I'm worried about the expectations of the, what my boss is going to think about how I interpret these figures while I'm looking at those figures, I'm no longer living in the present. I'm no longer um, being uh, clear about the work I'm doing. I'm not using my full perception at this moment. And so the work that I will do will be less less powerful. So it's not so much that we should never look into the future. Is that when we're working, we work with all our thought processes in the present right now, looking at what's in front of us, looking at the data that's that being presented to us and thinking and planning for the future, but being in the present and not being tied to expectations of whether this is, is this going to be good or even is this going to be successful? Because that again, worrying about whether something is gonna be successful is gonna add another level of negative energy to what you're doing right now. and probably would influence the quality of your work.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, I see that all the time, that people are just so worried about these other things, which are not necessarily related to the project itself. I mean, I always, I always say, you know, when people ask me like, how can you be so frank and stuff? And I'm like, listen, I made a decision that I have no intention to be promoted beyond where I am at the bank. And that frees me up to say stuff and to look at the actual project whereas a lot of people as you're saying they're they're not really engaging with what's in front of them they're like oh but but this looks my it makes my apartment uh, department look bad and and whoa if i don't do this then that happens and well last time we did this and then that and and it's just that's why you can have meetings (laughs) with 30 people and absolutely nothing happens so yeah thanks for for getting into that nuance i think that nuance is important for people to to understand and to talk about. Now, can I ask one question? And obviously, I'm not asking about any figures or anything, but I am curious about what have you found that this way of making business? How does that relate to the money part? Now, I'm not implying anything. I have a hypothesis of how this works, but I am curious. Um, what have you found? You know, does it does it take people maybe longer? Um, to actually grow revenue or is it faster because people are in the present and they're happy and they're charismatic and attractive or did you what's the story with money and happiness
1: so the pithy answer is money happiness does not necessarily equal money and vice versa Um, and I think if someone is looking to see all right how can I create more happiness in my business in order to make more money then they've got the wrong end of the stick. Um, The success of your business is not going to be purely based on how happy you are. It's going to be also based on whether you have the right business model, whether you're right in the right uh, industry, whether your offering is correct, whether you're able to target your customers in the right way, whether you have a marketing plan that works. Lots of the standard basic business things. That's what's going to make you money in a business. But the the thing about happiness is all of that will only work if you have clarity as to what you're trying to do and why you're trying to do it. And all of that will only be sustainable in the long run when you feel that work actually feeds your happiness and what you believe in. And so it isn't so much that happy businesses are more profitable, and this is my belief, and this is probably not the best sales pitch for the happy startup Score but you do have these people, these reports saying, oh, purpose-driven companies are more profitable. There's probably many more unpurposeful companies that are incredibly profitable. But the trouble is they probably have a high turnover in staff, the bosses are probably assholes, and there's some level of burnout going on in that business. So I would say when it comes to money and happiness, It's really about, again, a personal, what is your own definition of success? Because success is the key thing. That feeling is success, what does that mean? And if that's tied to an external measurable um, figure, then that can be a challenge. But if it isn't, and success is more of a feeling, then what you have is the flexibility to do all sorts of things, pivot your business, change the way you work, get the right people on board, uh, dispense with some of the jealousy and the the backbiting because you're not all there for the money. You're not all there for the recognition. You're all there to get what you want out of it. So just because someone's paid twice as much as you doesn't matter because you got what you need. What the problem becomes is when we start to compare and contrast each other's level of happiness based on what other people show. And so, I think this idea of the happiness how can you make a happy, happy, profitable business? It's like, what you need to do is make a profitable business and make sure that that's the business that is going to make you happy.
0: Right. Um, So we're coming to close soon. Um, What are some of the things that make you happiest about doing this? And happiest can also mean... So there's three. Yeah, yeah, please go, yeah.
1: There's, there's three things that are really core to whatever I do. Um, I always need to learn. There's always needs to be an element of play. And friendship is key. So learning for me is a lifelong journey. And it's a case of in following my curiosity about the world and then sharing whatever I learned with as many people as possible and when I'm playful I feel free I'm in flow I'm more creative and so the work that I do is usually better and much more impactful and then when I'm with friends all the hard things are less hard And when I want to celebrate, I have people around me to celebrate with. And so business networking for us is not about forming strategic alliances. It's about being among people that we can be ourselves with, whose values align with ours, but whose skills are complementary as well. And who we want to support as well as being supported by them.
0: Okay, nice. So... Is there anything we haven't touched upon that you think is important that you'd like to briefly talk about?
1: There's so many things, (laughs) (laughs) but that's just because I'm a very curious person. I think one of the things that I have found quite interesting of late is the relationship of our level of consciousness with the quality of how we behave and how we work. When we are living in a a level of consciousness which is based on fear and scarcity, then we're very much about taking, not sharing, and maybe exploiting and being very defensive. But when we raise our level of consciousness and awareness where actually we see that we are all connected, our impact, our actions, that may affect someone else negatively and in the short term affect us positively will potentially come round and then affect us negatively as well. And when we see that actually hurting others and hurting the environment, hurting the planet will eventually hurt ourselves. And also seeing that actually we're part of a much bigger, bigger system. And so our self-importance or over-inflated self-importance is just an illusion. And to really create that humility gives you this sense of awareness and perspective that actually some things don't really matter, whether it's jealousies or material wealth, and that we're then free to just act from a place of, I'm going to do the things that I believe in And if I do them with the right level of awareness, consciousness and quality, then the good things will happen. And so it's about intention and compassion.
0: Wonderful. So where can people find out about you, connect with you and the Happy Startup School?
1: So if you want to connect with me directly, just uh, on Twitter, I'm Kung Fu Carlos. That's my Twitter handle. Um, Or just search for Carlos Saba, S-A-B-A, and you will find me, whether that's on LinkedIn or Facebook. There's not a lot of us around. And then for the Happy Startup School, um, you go to the website thehappystartupschool.com to find out more about our broad mission and what the Happy Startup School is about. We also run an online community and you'll find more information on that at happystartups.co That's it. Great. Thank
0: you very much, Carlos. You're welcome. Alrighty. So I hope you enjoyed this interview with Carlos Saba who I think has such a calming effect. It's like the the peace just emanates out into the world through his voice. And I don't mean this cynically, I mean this absolutely, um, honestly. It was almost a little bit like a little meditation, uh, re-listening and editing this interview. Okay, now I just wanted to do a little shout-out for those of you who own an Alexa, an Amazon Alexa device. And I just wanted to say that I developed something called the Positive Psychology Quiz... And the positive psychology quiz will basically, um, ask you a bunch of questions about positive psychology and give you four possible answers. And that way you can check how well you've been paying attention to this podcast. Yeah. I'm talking to you loyal people who think you know everything about positive psychology. Prove it. Um, so yeah, check out the podcast. Uh, no, not the podcast. Check out, um, The positive psychology quiz on Amazon Alexa. And now I want to read what Kaz from Australia has to say. So Kaz... By Carol Mack uh, from Australia. Kristen, you are transforming my mindset dramatically. With your practical and achievable help, I'm slowly becoming positive for longer periods every day. I love your personal examples and interviews. I turn on your podcast to switch my mindset when I'm feeling low. And I'm really enjoying learning all about positive psychology. I love your down-to-earth approach and quirky humor. Thanks heaps, Kaz. Hey Kaz, um, I've gotten to know you a little bit through your emails and that gives me a great opportunity to thank you and acknowledge um, you for the work that you're doing. I'm not going to go into too much detail because I don't want um, to reveal something that Kaz maybe doesn't want to share online. But um, let's just say that Kaz is taking the positive psychology that she's learning here and elsewhere not just to make herself feel better. She takes it to help other people and to help very vulnerable people. And I have to say that there is actually nothing that makes me happier than when you, Kaz, and the rest of you as a community uh, stand up. And yeah, first, by all means, heal yourself, but then take it out into the world um, the moment you feel capable of... Um, turning your attention to other people so I thank you from the bottom of my heart for doing that cheers bye-bye
1: thanks for listening to the positive psychology podcast we're saying goodbye with happy yogurt